0: From the Princeton University School of Engineering and Applied Science, this is Cookies, a podcast about technology security and privacy. On this podcast, we'll discuss how technology has transformed our lives from the way we connect with each other to the way we shop, work, and consume entertainment. And we'll discuss some of the hidden trade-offs we make as we take advantage of these new tools. Cookies, as you know, can be a tasty snack, but they can also be something that takes your data. When you're shopping for a new gadget online, there's a good chance you consulted the reviews on YouTube. So many of them are well-produced and very thoughtful takes on the latest computer or camera equipment, services, even food and toys. If you've never seen an unboxing video, I'd recommend giving one a try. Pretty much anything can be featured in a review video, but are they unbiased? Our guest today, Michael Swart, says a lot of them are practically paid commercials without even telling you, and he has a way to tell the difference. Mike is a 2019 graduate of Princeton with a degree in computer science. He's now working as a software engineer at the transportation app company, Lyft. Let's get started. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. So where are you joining us from uh, today? Uh, I'm calling in from San Francisco, California. Nice. So before we get started, we should note that you also have an illustrious career in water polo. Can you tell us about that? Uh, Yeah, well, I was
1: at Princeton University. I was lucky enough to play on the uh, varsity men's water polo team for four years. Uh, And, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say about that experience. Uh, You know, I met some of my best friends uh, on the team and uh, we played in some you know, big games and had
0: some tough practices. And, uh, you know, I look back really fondly on that time. And you, uh, you balance that with some pretty rigorous uh, work in computer science. Uh, Princeton University does a great job of like supporting uh, athletes and students
1: uh, and allowing, uh, you know, student athletes to do both things. Uh, you know, classes uh, from 4.30 to 6.30 at night, there aren't any classes. Uh, and so there's enough time for practice and then everyone can take any class that they want. You're not restricted in what classes you can take. And uh, there's great resources to help students. Uh, so, you know, the the school does a great job of helping everyone manage. I mean,
0: let's talk about, uh, we call this affiliate marketing. Uh, why would a reviewer accept money from a company whose product they're reviewing? Yeah, this is a really great question. So social media has like really blown up, um,
1: you know, recently. And uh, some content creators, they can get um, millions of views on some of their posts. And so brands see this as a really great way to target marketing. Uh, A lot of content creators have a specific type of content that they make. So, you know, someone could be like a food blogger or a makeup artist or something like this. Um, And so a brand that then Uh, is in the marketing space for, uh, you know, makeup, they can then target their ads at people that are watching videos about makeup. And so it's a really great way for brands to target their advertising. And then these content creators, you know, YouTube is a free platform. Uh, And so it's a great way for the content creators to make money based off of the work that they are doing to create these videos. So for the brands, it's great because they get targeted advertising. And for the content creators, it's great because they can actually like make money off of their content. Uh, and so it's kind of like a really great, um, system for those two parties. The one party that kind of gets left out in that equation is the, the viewers of the video, uh, who Mm -hmm. most of the time don't actually know that the content is sponsored
0: because the content creator doesn't disclose that they're making money based off of those purchases. I mean, let's talk about bias in these reviews. I mean, okay, let's say that there is a financial relationship between these, these two parties. Um, I mean, do these video makers state negative things about these products, Do they or would they hesitate to do that if they actually believed that? And do, are these reviews biased?
1: Yeah, so that's a really great question. There's a couple of types of, uh, like, social media marketing, Um And the one that we focused on is called affiliate marketing specifically, which, um, the way that that works is the content creator only makes money when someone buys the product that they are supposed to be promoting. Uh, and so in that system, uh, it's the content creator is incentivized to actually give a positive review because, um, then they'll generate more money for themselves. In other types of social media marketing, it's possible that they could give a more unbiased review. But because they're incentivized by the percentage of the proceeds that they're going to generate, uh, they're they're much more incentivized to give a positive review. Uh, so they they literally get a commission. Yeah. So like you could look at it as someone views the video, then um, they click a link or use a coupon code. Uh, on the brand's website. Uh, And then, you know, they pay with their credit card and uh, a typical structure could be like 85% of that uh, money that the brand makes goes to the brand and 15% goes to the content creator. Uh, And so each time that someone presses buy on that website, the content creator is making money. And so, uh, you know, again, they're really incentivized to try and get people to press that buy button so that they can make more money.
0: OK, so how did you get involved in this area? I mean, there, there was a, a team involved here. Uh, can you tell us about some of the other members of the team? Yeah, definitely.
1: So um, wh- I, while I was looking for a thesis topic, topic I reached out for, to uh, Professor Marshani Chetty. Uh, and she was talking about this really cool project that her uh, and Professor Arvind Narayanan uh, and then Arnish Mather, who's a, a PhD candidate, um, they were all working on this project in the affiliate marketing space um, where they were just looking into, like, what is affiliate marketing? How uh, why is it an issue uh, and these type of things? Uh, and so then when I was talking to Professor Chetty about my thesis topics, um, she said, hey, like, we have this really interesting project that we've been working on, um, but we haven't actually used any of it yet. So they, they had done all of this really amazing research the the paper that they wrote had won an award at the uh, the, uh, conference that they presented at. And Mm -hmm. she said, we've done all this really great work, but we haven't actually used it anywhere. Would you want to build a browser extension? So basically she just like placed this really cool project right in my lap for my thesis. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so I worked during my senior year on creating the browser extension uh, that we called ad intuition that actually uh, on YouTube flags this sponsored content
0: uh, because the content creators don't actually disclose it. So how, I mean, how pervasive is the practice of, uh, of affiliate marketing?
1: Yeah. So we, we did some research into this. Um, we, we had users who downloaded the extension. Uh, we tracked some of the videos that they were watching and things like that. And over 60,000 videos, we found that 7.5% of the videos contained affiliate marketing, which, Uh, is a pretty large percentage of the videos in my opinion. Uh, And so, you know, if you watch 15 videos on YouTube, chances are you're gonna see one that has uh, affiliate marketing in it. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so uh,
0: it's definitely very prevalent across the platform. When they do have uh, affiliate marketing, is that usually disclosed? Are they required to disclose? Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. So they are required to disclose. The FTC
1: has rules. for online marketing uh, and social media marketing. Uh, But the problem is that the FTC doesn't actually uh, enforce those rules. Um, And so only about 10% of videos that have affiliate marketing disclose. And then another issue is that there are different types of disclosures. Uh, So one would be just saying, hey, this video contains an affiliate link. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's actually not that descriptive because YouTube descriptions can be very long Um, and so it can be confusing, uh, if right at the top of the video, it says this contains an affiliate link. Um, but then it's kind of hard to tell what actually was affiliate was everything affiliate. And so that can be confusing. Another one says that, Hey, if you click a link uh, in the description, you'll support my channel. Um, and that's also a little bit confusing because they kind of make the jump, uh, for you that they'll be making money, but they don't say it explicitly. And so then the final one is like an explanation disclosure which says this video contains affiliate marketing and i will make money if you click on the link and so that one uh occurs the least often but it's the only one that users are consistently able to tell that a video has affiliate marketing if that one's present Uh, and so that one occurs a little bit less than two percent of the time and because it doesn't happen very often. Most of the time that users are
0: watching videos, they actually don't know that the video contains affiliate marketing. So how can you tell if a video has affiliate marketing?
1: Yeah, so uh, as part of the research that we did, we uh, looked into different ways that we could tell. And the nice thing about affiliate marketing is that the brand needs to know where the content was sourced from in in order to pay the um, content creator based off of the percentage of the proceeds that they generate. And so because the brand needs some sort of tracking mechanism, we can then kind of reverse engineer that to find those tracking mechanisms from the beginning. And so one of those tracking mechanisms is coupon codes. You know, a content creator say, could say, hey, use my code Mike10 uh, at checkout. Uh, and so the brand uh, is able to track where the, uh, the user came from, the, the buyer came from. Uh, And the buyer needs to use that coupon code in order to get some sort of deal or something like that. So the the buyer's incentivized to actually use the coupon code. And then the brand benefits a lot from that because they can see where the the buyer actually got that information from that they could get this deal. And -hmm. then uh, there are two different types of links that also um, brands use. One of them is uh, they'll go through like, an affiliate marketing uh, service. So like some companies have set up their, their whole, you know, business is, uh, we'll do all of the tracking for you so you don't have to. Uh, and so, uh, as part of that, uh, original research that I was piggybacking off, off of, they mm-hmm. built this list of, uh, about 60 links, um, like link patterns to these brands that help track affiliate marketing. Um, and then finally some brands that are bigger, they might just do the tracking themselves based off of query patterns in the URL string. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, we looked for some query pattern, like common query patterns in the URL string. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so those were kind of the three methods that we use. Um, affiliate marketing services, coupon codes, and then kind of like query string patterns. They're called UTM parameters mostly, uh, urgent mm-hmm. tracking module parameters. Uh, and uh, we found that those are actually, often used uh, also to to
0: show that affiliate marketing happens you're listening to cookies a podcast about technology security and privacy brought to you by the School of Engineering and Applied Science at Princeton University We're speaking with Michael Swart a 2019 graduate of Princeton in our next episode we'll speak with Pratik Middle, an associate professor of electrical engineering who will speak about adversarial machine learning. But for now, back to our conversation with Michael Swart, in which he discusses what a thoughtful consumer should do after they know that content is being sponsored in a video they're watching on YouTube. So you've built a a browser extension. Um, How does this work and, and how effective is it at identifying monetized links? Um, yeah, so we built a
1: browser extension. We called it ad intuition. It's available for uh, Chrome and Firefox. Uh, Mm -hmm. and basically what it does is those three, um, different sources, uh, or signals of affiliate marketing. Uh, what we do is, uh, whenever the user, uh, loads a YouTube page, um, we search the description of the YouTube video for any of those three, uh, signals. So, we look at all of the links and look at their redirects and see if any of them go to either an affiliate marketing service or if any of them have tracking parameters on them. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, uh, we also uh, built a coupon code classifier that checks to see if any coupon codes exist in the video description. And then, um, if it does see any of those signals, What it does is across the top of the page, right under the search bar, it gives an explanation disclosure, which I explained earlier is the only one that users are actually able to tell that affiliate marketing was present. Uh, And then in the description, it highlights the uh, link or coupon code that we found uh, as a signal of affiliate marketing. Uh, And so we we thought that this was also a helpful addition because Mm -hmm. The user not only knows that affiliate marketing pre- is present, but also knows exactly where in the description uh, it's mentioned. And so, like, for example, if a link is highlighted, they know when they click on that link, if they purchase something, then that is the, the content creator will make money.
0: Mm. So you've actually tested this uh, extension on users, right? I mean, what kind of experience have, have they had? Yeah, so we ran
1: two different, um, user studies. One of them, um, we did that tracking that I was talking about to tell, um, you know, uh, how users interact with the tool, uh, what type of videos contain affiliate marketing, uh, and things like that. And we also were able to tell like what the prevalence of affiliate marketing is. Um, and so that was a pretty useful, uh, user study. And then we did another one to, um, test like does the tool actually work? So does the explanation disclosure across the top work? Um, And does the link highlighting work? And we found that uh, compared to someone who isn't using the extension, users were able to more easily tell when affiliate marketing is present in a video. So like by proxy, uh, the extension does work. And uh, you know, if uh, a user is using the extension, they will be more informed
0: about affiliate marketing content in the videos that they're watching. So how can people find this extension? It's a, can you, it's Add intuition to one word? Uh, Yeah. So it's uh, Add intuition. It's all one word. And on the Chrome and Firefox
1: web stores uh, you can download it as a browser extension and use it for yourself. Uh, And so if you do any YouTube watching, it could be a cool thing to uh, you know, go and, Uh, download the extension and see if the content that you watch uh, actually contains affiliate marketing. One interesting thing about affiliate marketing is it does depend on the content that you're watching. So some content does not contain much affiliate marketing and other content um, contains way more affiliate marketing than like the average channel maybe. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so a lot of it depends on browsing habits. But again, we found that averaged out over the 60,000 videos and uh, almost 300 users that use that intuition in our, in our original study, we found that 7.5% of those videos contained affiliate marketing. So it's still a pretty
0: large percentage, but it does depend on the videos that each individual user watches. What sort of videos tend to have them and what sort of videos don't? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So like I was saying earlier, brands, they
1: try and partner with affiliates that have a similar content to the, what the brand is actually selling. Uh, and so, you know, makeup tutorials could often have affiliate marketing because any form of like cosmetic company could want to have more pointed advertising. So like that would be one area. Whereas like, you know, there are some bigger YouTube channels that are sponsored by like network television stations. Those ones often don't have affiliate marketing because they have other like, uh, ways to make money outside of affiliate marketing. And so, uh, it's less prevalent in like those big network things. But, uh, again, like downloading ad intuition, it's really hard to tell those network television stations tomorrow could start using affiliate marketing. And uh, the cool thing about the tool is that we don't need any user input to tell if, um, affiliate marketing happens because we have these patterns that we are automatically generating. So new videos are included in it. Um, and so, you know, again, if a network television station started uh, participating in affiliate marketing tomorrow uh, that the tool
0: would be able to de- to detect that. Do you do much? Um, uh, do you view these reviews just in your off time? Do you ever go looking? Uh, have you ever actually stumbled upon a, uh, an affiliate link just casually? Definitely,
1: you know, uh, building the tool, I did a lot of research into like, these type of things. And, uh, you know, I watch a decent amount of YouTube on my own time. And uh, I have the ad intuition installed on my computer. Uh, and sometimes I'm very surprised about what videos contain affiliate marketing. And sometimes it's not even explicit to the content that's in the video. It's just in the the description. So Amazon has an affiliate link program or uh, aff- affiliate partner program. Uh, Mm -hmm. And what you can do is you can partner with Amazon um, and you go in actually as the content creator uh, and say, hey, uh, I'd like to make money based off of proceeds that I generate. And so, you know, any vlogger or someone like that could do this. And then Mm -hmm. you'll see links in the description that say, like, this is the camera that I use. This is the microphone that I use. Uh, And they go down the list of all their tech and those type of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And every one of those in some videos is an affiliate link. Uh, to an Amazon affiliate uh, website. Uh, And so they never mention that they're making money off of those proceeds. Uh, And so it's a little bit confusing because the the video wasn't about the camera that they're using,
0: but they will make money if you buy that camera. If you wanna be a thoughtful consumer, once you've downloaded the extension and you're aware of which videos are monetized and which are not, what else should a good consumer be doing? Yeah, so after downloading the extension,
1: Um, which that's pretty important so that, you know, that the, the sponsored content exists, then thinking about, does that change my opinion about the, the, uh, content that is being sponsored, uh, and the, uh, brand that is sponsoring the content. So, you know, if it was some sort of makeup tutorial again, uh, and, uh, the review was sponsored or not sponsored, like those might change your opinion about, um, whether the brand is actually a brand that you want to buy. Uh, and so it, it can be helpful to think about, like uh, if an unbiased uh, review uh, is actually unbiased, then maybe the content
0: is slightly different than if the, the, the brand is sponsoring the content. Uh, so w- what needs to be done at a policy level as well as just best practices for, for companies to address this issue? um so i think that
1: the ftc they have these rules in place but they aren't really enforcing them and i think it's also pretty difficult to find these cases like as the ftc it can be difficult for them to find cases of this um just because you know without some automatic tool like ad intuition uh you know it can be a lot of like hours to like go through and try and find these things um but i think that there needs to be some level of accountability from the top level at the FTC, uh, saying that this is not allowed and you will get in trouble if you don't do it. Um, that that being not disclosing uh, sponsored content. Um, and then from like the platform perspective, like uh, YouTube or Google Chrome, both of those have some sort of responsibility, I think as well. Uh, like YouTube, for example, they have the functionality for users or uh, for content creators to say, uh, this video contains sponsored content, but they don't enforce users uh, or content creators needing to actually use that disclosure. Uh, And so it could be very useful for YouTube to actually go in and say, hey, if you don't include disclosure of sponsored content, then we will take your video down because um, without any, sort of that enforcement. Uh, content curators will continue to not disclose because in the current system, uh, there's no like uh, negative effects of them not doing so. Uh, hmm. And so uh, it, from the FTC level, I think that they need to start cracking down on it. And from the uh, Google or from the, the YouTube level, I think that they need to also start enforcing that uh, disclosure
0: must be present for sponsored content. Is it just YouTube? Or are there other platforms where people typically consume this content? Uh, yeah, I think every social media platform
1: has this. Basically, anywhere where someone can gain a significant following, um, this type of pra- these type of practices will be present. So uh, Instagram, I think a lot of times people see like hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored. But again, not everyone does it. Um, and then Pinterest, in that original study that uh, my thesis advisor uh, had done, they looked at Pinterest as well as a source of uh, affiliate marketing and like a, a place where affiliate marketing was happen, happening, uh, but it, it really can happen anywhere. Facebook, you know, uh, and so across all social media platforms, uh, this can definitely happen. For, for our study, we just focused on YouTube so that we could get a really good knowledge of the whole ecosystem in YouTube. And YouTube has a couple of issues too, like videos can be a little bit longer, descriptions can... Uh, be very lengthy. Uh, And so having this tool uh, we thought helped users to actually uh, tell that there was affiliate marketing and we got a a better sense of like
0: affiliate marketing in general, rather than going like really wide across a lot of social media platforms. Mm. So finally, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing since graduation? Yeah. So after I graduated, I uh, took a job at Lyft where
1: I'm currently a software engineer uh, and I'm in San Francisco. And, you know, I've really
0: been enjoying it so far and am excited to see, uh, you know, what else uh, I can do there. Mike Swart is a class of 2019 alumnus in computer science at Princeton. Uh, I want to thank our recording engineer, Dan Kearns. Cookies is a production of the Princeton University School of Engineering and Applied Science. This podcast is available on iTunes and other platforms. Uh, show notes are available on our website, engineering.princeton.edu. Uh, Mike is joining us today from, uh, from San Francisco. Thank you uh, for taking the time to speak with us, Mike. Yeah, Aaron, thanks so much for having me on. I really uh, appreciate it and really enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed it a lot. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Princeton University. I'm Aaron Nathans, Digital Media Editor at Princeton Engineering. Watch your feed for another episode of Cookies soon, when we'll discuss another aspect of tech security and privacy. If you have a moment, please give us a good review. It helps. Thanks for listening. Peace.